right, welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Baseball Buds Podcast. I am your host, Richie. Joining me today, as always, is Matt. Today is August 3rd, Tuesday, 2021. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to go over all of the trade deadline moves, as well as some prospect updates, and then we'll go over prospects number 21 through 30. But first, Matt, how are you doing? It's been a while. It has been a while. We have a lot of juicy news and changes in Major League Baseball that we get to talk about today. Uh, I'm very excited to see who won our little trade game. I think it probably ended up like uh, eight to seven correct guesses. Oh, wait, it was two to one. Um, We were not very good, were we? No. So for the listeners, if you did not listen to our podcast last week, we kind of went through all of the the trade chips that were potentially to get moved and where we thought they were going and why. So we'll go over those and kind of where they actually ended up landing and uh, why we were wrong. So let's uh, jump right into it. I think we're going to start with the, the Cubs, those big three that they moved. The first one was Anthony Rizzo to the Yankees. We both were wrong. We thought they were the Red Sox, but we should have knew the Yankees would sweep in and uh, steal them from the Red Sox. But I think the biggest news is what happens with Luke Voigt and Patrick Wisdom and their playing time. What do you see, Matt? Yeah, I mean, both of them have underperformed a little bit this season. Rizzo has come in. He has played pretty well for this Yankees team. He actually batted the leadoff on Sunday. Um, I mean, he's brought life to this lineup with only right-handers. Obviously, Joey Gallo also joined the mix. But I really do have concern for Luke Voigt when he comes back. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. He's been a shell of the version he was last year. And Patrick Wisdom has been relegated back to a utility man, as always. Yeah, I think Patrick Wisdom has been playing out of his mind. And outside of his means, I think he's starting to come back down to earth. And I think the Cubs are just going to plug and play some of these guys, uh, at least till the end of the year, and maybe make some offseason acquisitions. But we shall see. Well, Let's think- move on. I think with wisdom too that you know as you said he's been so hot but the cubs this is their opportunity to now rebuild their roster for the next two years right wisdom's the type of guy that probably will be bouncing around that team but they need to bring some of these young kids up and just kind of see what they have give some excitement to these fans in chicago and at, again wisdom might be a guy they move in the off season so if they give him playing time and he continues to perform maybe you get to pull another prospect out of him Absolutely. Let's move on to the next guy, and that is Javi Baez. Got traded to the Mets. Um, We both were wrong. We guessed the Phillies, um, which made sense at the time. But now I guess it kind of comes down to what happens to this Mets lineup once Lindor is back. It kind of seems like they made this move to supplement that loss of Francisco Lindor, who should be out, I want to say, about at least another month. Um, But once he's back in the playoffs, what happens to this lineup? What do you think? Uh, I watched the game yesterday, I think it was, um, and actually Javi Baez hurt himself a little bit running to first base. He kind of lost momentum, jammed his leg. That's just how Javi Baez plays, right? That's the biggest concern we've had with Javi since the beginning of his career is how hard he goes on the, on the field. Now, I think with the Mets lineup, what this is going to do is it's going to take a lot of pressure off Frankie Lindor. Lindor was really excited and elated after the home run that Baez hit the first game he came to New York. And I think these two are going to really enjoy playing baseball together. They're close friends, right? And when you have that, the pressure alleviates. You have fun out there. I don't think Lindor this season has, has had as much fun as he has in the past. There's a lot of pressure coming over. There's a lot of pressure signing a contract. There's a lot of pressure being the team's entire offense 
when Pete Alonso is struggling earlier in the year. So what I see this doing more than anything is making Lindor better. And if the Mets wanted to trade for his best friend to just give him that piece, I think it was a genius move. And Baez, I think Baez has a much better uptick in production because he's also playing with his friend, and here he is playing for a contract. Yeah, I think what also could happen is, are the Mets ever fully going to be healthy? you got Michael Conforto, Brandon Nimmo, always injured. Pete Alonso has uh, a little spurt here or there. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see Baez and Lindor splitting duties between second and third, and maybe they move Jeff McNeil over to third as J.D. Davis hasn't really been getting it done. But let's move on to the last big-name Cubs that got moved, and that is Chris Bryant to the Giants. We both were wrong. I thought he was going to go to the Mets to fill that third base role we just talked about, and you had the White Sox. Um, but I think the biggest news here is he no longer plays in that small bandbox of uh, Wrigley Field, and now he's moving to San Francisco, which is known to be a pitcher's ballpark. What do you think Chris Bryant does the rest of the way? I mean, Chris Bryant's production has already started to slow. That home run he hit again in his first game because him, Baez, and Rizzo all did homer in their first game with the new teams. Um, it was a laser beam, but it barely got out. And I think that's going to be the concern that Bryant has playing in San Francisco is that you're going to see his power numbers drop a little bit. He's definitely a gap-to-gap hitter, so I could see his uh, his doubles rise. I could see the guy have a couple triples you know, if he hits it to that dead man's alley. But he doesn't have as much protection in that lineup. Um, I do think, again, playing for a contract, you're going to see Bryant continue to hit the ball. I just think you're going to see an issue with those home runs. Um, And I think you may see an uptick in RBIs as well. The Giants find a way to get on base. They find a way to score runs. They find a way to win win games. Bryant's going to be a part of that culture. So from a fantasy perspective, expect to see the batting average maybe rise up a little bit. Expect runs and RBIs to climb a little bit and power to fall down. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on most of it, except for I think his average is actually going to decrease with that wind mostly blowing in. I think he's going to get a lot more outs than those home runs that you mentioned, but I think because he is the the big guy in San Francisco, I feel like pitchers are going to turn it up in extra gear because they know there's not an Anthony Rizzo or Javi Baez you know, on each side of him. But let's move on to the next Cub that was dealt, and this is a pitcher, and as Craig Kimbrell got moved to the White Sox. We both were wrong as well. I thought he was going to go to the Phillies. Um, I also thought he might go to the Braves, but you also you had the Oakland A's. I remember when the text came or the notification came through, and my heart sank because in our Dynasty League, I have Liam Hendricks, and immediately thought, Oh, God, he's either going to split duties or he's lost his role. But so far, Liam Hendricks has had both of the ninth inning um, save opportunities, or I shouldn't say save opportunities because it was a tie game when he came in on Sunday, ended up getting the win, and Craig Kimbrell pitched the eighth. But what do you think happens in Chicago between Liam Hendricks and Craig Kimbrell? And then on the other side, now that Kimbrell's gone, who's going to be the closer for the Cubs? Yeah, so I don't see that we see Liam Hendricks removed from that closer's role. They have him on a long-term contract, so he is their guy moving forward. Um, I do have the White Sox picked as my midseason World Series contender. I could see this actually affecting more of the playoff implications than it does a regular season, Um, and also possibly end of September. They might give Hendricks a little bit of a breather. They might stretch him out a little bit, right, once things are locked up and they know where their seating is going to be. 
but it's never good when you add a premium closer to a roster with already having a premium closer. And Kimbrel's ERA is absolutely astronomic this year. It's incredible. I think last time I looked at it, it was a 0.47. And Hendricks is at, like, what, a 0.33. So both are great players, but you have one that's cemented in the role, and you have one now coming in that's playing also for a contract. I, I just think you may lose three, four saves and mid-September, end, end of September, right when you need them, essentially, Richie, in that playoff hunt. Um, but it could be less. It could be one or two. But both great players. For those that own Kimbrel, big, devastating blow for you. Obviously, if it's in a categories league and it saves and holds, it's not as much. Um, but from the Cubs, I don't know. What are your thoughts? I mean, I don't expect them to win a lot of games. I don't expect them to be in a lot of games. I think, again, this is where they need to start rebuilding the foundation. Yeah, I originally was excited for Andrew Chafin before he got dealt. Yep. And then Ryan Tapera, who I've had in my holds and saves category, he was doing great, but he also went to the White Sox. So now I'm like, well, those were their three best relievers, and they're all gone. Um, I think Dan Winkler is going to be their guy, somebody you have no – um, interest in, in any format unless you're in a deep 15 team NL only. Uh, there is rumors that Rowan Wick, who's technically on the 60 day IL, might get it once he comes back. He should be back shortly, but I mean, at the end of the day, the Cubs have nobody left. I wouldn't even bother rostering a reliever, it's just wasted space, in my opinion. But let's move on. The next one is Nelson Cruz went from the Minnesota Twins to the Tampa Bay Rays. We both were wrong yet again. We both said that he would be an Oakland A. Uh, but I guess the real question here is who loses playing time for the Rays? I think every single Rays player loses playing time, in all honesty. I think Wander Franco is going to be affected as he has been. He's in and out of the lineup. I think Diaz is going to be affected. He's in and out of the lineup. I think this allows the ability to uh, even give some of their outfielders a day off since they have that four outfield rotation. And at the end of the day, you've, I've even seen him see, uh, sat a few games here, that being Nelson Cruz. Um, I didn't love this trade. Nelson Cruz, you know, going to a contender, this is the biggest bat they now have in that lineup. And Nelson Cruz's production this season has been lower than it has been in the past. I think we're finally starting to see the age kind of catch up to him with his power. He'll probably finish the year with 25 home runs, 30 home runs if he gets hot. But this has caused me in a few leagues to actually bench Nelson Cruz. This Rays lineup is always moving pieces. It's always manipulating the way that the batters are um, in the lineup. And I think Nelson Cruz took a, a step backwards on this one. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. I guess the other part, part of this trade was Joe Ryan was one of their mm -hmm. higher-end uh, pitching prospects, had a high ERA and AAA um I want to say it was above five. I don't have it in front of me, but he did have a high strikeout rate way above 10 per nine. So I don't think he's coming up uh, for Minnesota anytime soon. I do think that we might see him next year, but I don't know if he's uh, worth rostering at this point, unless you're in a deeper dynasty league. It's more of a wait and see kind of what happens once he comes up. We're already seeing higher end prospects way better than him come up and are faltering. Um, before we move on, anything you want to say about Joe Ryan? I really have really liked Ryan for the past few years. He kind of came onto the prospect um, map in 2019. He obviously had a good showing in the alternative training camp last year, reports coming out of Tampa. Um, I think this is a great trade for, for the Twins. You know, Cruz is going to be a guy that was going to leave next year. Might as well grab something. I think you got a high upside 
very low floor player. Um, I think he could come up to the majors and struggled much like Corbin Burns did for a few years. But I expect Ryan 26, 27, 28 to have good years, one of those years, and really start to showcase himself as a top 30 pitcher. That's my belief in Ryan because he has the strikeout ability. Strikeout ability paired with the ability to find control eventually leads to a top 30 performance. So keep an eye on Ryan. It's going to probably be a few years until he's actually worth starting in any league. But in Minnesota, I think they got a good one. And not saying he's a comp, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's something like Robbie Ray before he did yes. this year, where he always had 4-5 ERA, but you know he was going to strike out at least 8-10 to 10 players or batters every time he was on the mound. Let's move along to Colorado. And what's that? Oh, they didn't actually make any real trades. They kept Trevor Story and Charlie Blackman. What are they thinking? What are they doing? Um, we both were wrong. We thought Story was going to go, I thought, to the Phillies, and you t- said the A's. I'm pretty sure you guessed A's for everybody. <laughs> and then Charlie Blackman, you guessed to the Brewers, and I guessed to the Astros. What do you think Colorado's thinking here? You know, I think the Blackman one was the contract. Um, three, four years left with that higher contract. I don't think any team was willing to take that on. And I don't think that Colorado was willing to offer a large you know, bag of money to, to move him. And you look at what the Cubs got in return for all three of their players. It was basically garbage, right? Um, no huge assets were moved in this trade deadline outside of the Dodgers for Max Scherzer and Turner and outside of that Jose Barrios trade. It was a lot of, you know, organizational nines, organizational 14s, you know, organizational sevens. And when you're looking at trading Trevor Story, I'm sure it was the same way. Because Story and Baez are probably very comparable players in production this season. And I'm guessing what Colorado really sat there and thought was, hey, if this gives us three more months to possibly sign Trevor Story, you know, let's just keep him here. You know, maybe our ticket sales are more important than a number seven organizational prospect. And I honestly don't disagree with them. It seems like the league had made this agreement this season that we're not trading young guys that have real value. We're going to trade a bunch of guys that like we don't really know yet, right? You know, we don't know where their floor is. We don't know where their ceiling is. So, Colorado, I don't blame them in all honesty. Yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing with Trevor's story is this is a kind of a move that they would do to re-sign him like, "Hey, we didn't trade you because we value you this much." So, other than that, I don't see any other reason why they would stop. But let's move on to the next one. And I think this is the most intriguing as far as fantasy goes. And that is Starling Marte to the Oakland A's. In return, the Marlins get Jesus Lazardo. He gets another chance as a starter in Miami. Uh, we both were wrong. We both said Starling Marte would go to the Giants. Um, but Matt, what, what are you your takeaways from Starling Marte and Jesus Lazardo here? Well, first off, I think we get a, a half a point here. You know, we were we were in the same vicinity as to where he went. I also think this was um, probably, I would say, the second worst trade of the deadline. Um, giving up Lazardo from Oakland's perspective is a pretty big price to pay for a rental in Sterling Marte. Now, Sterling Marte is definitely going to help Oakland. They're going to it's going to help their pursuit for the playoffs. But again, they have to go up against the Astros. That Astros lineup only got better during this deadline. And Lazardo, he definitely did need a change of scenery from that perspective, but I would have liked to see more in return. Lazardo pitched last night. I watched a little bit of his start. He looked like the traditional Lazardo, you know, absolutely great stuff at times, and then absolutely throwing the ball where it doesn't belong at all and giving up a home run. 
Um, it's going to be interesting to see his development with the Marlins. The Marlins clearly have had a really good pedigree for developing and creating good starting pitchers. I think this is a perfect place for him to land. And I think if he's still out there on waiver wires, now's the time to grab him. If you just want to see what happens over the next two months, um, I, I in our league did. I got him for $5 on the fab market. I think this, as you had said, will be the most intriguing because we're going to see firsthand can Lazardo stick in the rotation. And if he cannot, it'll be spring training, April, May of next year in the minors to see what Lazardo does. And if he can't pull it together, I think his starting career is probably over. Um, and then Marte, again, I think his numbers are just going to continue to stay a steady streamline with the A's. Look for him to, you know, be a must start every week. Yeah, I definitely think Marte is going to flourish over in the A's with a better lineup. But for Lizardo, for the listeners that don't know, yesterday he pitched against the New York Mets, went five innings, gave up four hits, three earned runs, I believe one home run, three walks, and five strikeouts. I think the best thing for Lizardo here is he's going from the AL to the NL, which means one out of nine players is going to be a pitcher or a really bad batter. So I think that definitely helps him in terms of uh, strikeout ability. So I guess I'm kind of with you, the wait-and-see approach, see if he can figure this out. Let's move along. Adam Duvall to the Braves, the first one that we both got yeah. right. To be fair, I believe you cheated off me and just copied me <laughs> because you didn't have anybody, so I should get an extra point. But anyways, um, <clears throat> of note, the Braves also acquired Eddie Rosario and Jorge Soler, so now they have a plethora of outfielders to choose from to replace uh, Ronald Acuna. I don't think anybody can match Ronald Acuna, but it is an interesting ragtag of players they got. What are you seeing here, Matt, and who's going to run away with the most playing time out of these three? I don't think anyone's running away with this, in all honesty. I think what they're going to do is they're going to mix and match on a daily basis, and this is what you have to do in order to supplement Ronald Acuna's loss. Um, and as we know with Adam Duvall, he's the type of player, when he's hot, you don't take him out of the lineup. right? When he goes on a home run binge, it's three, four, five days of him hitting anywhere from five to seven home runs, and you want him in that lineup. So in all reality, maybe Duvall is the biggest winner here. Um, but Soler is starting to heat up as well, and Rosario has had kind of a down year. So look for all three of these guys to be rotating throughout that lineup. And I think what you're going to have to do is as soon as one of them gets hot, if it's a daily league, you pick them up immediately, you start them, and then you look for your next option after that five or six game swing. Absolutely. And any days off in between, that's when you make the moves. All right, let's move along. Yimmy Garcia, closer for the Marlins, got moved to the Astros. Probably going to be a setup or a middle relief type guy now that they have Kendall Graveman and Ryan Presley there. We both were wrong. I thought he was going to the Braves. You thought to the A's, like every other one you guessed. My question for you is, is there any relief pitcher that is worth rostering in Miami? I believe they're debating between Anthony Bender and David Floro right now. Or do you have any interest in either of these guys? No, no interest from either of these guys. This is a clear tank now for Miami. They're going to obviously see what they have moving forward. Um, I think the bigger piece for Miami is Rodgers is probably going to lose playing time as he hits this innings cap. Uh, I think, you know, you're going to see Sandy Alcantara probably lose innings. I think Miami in general is just going to start to run some young guys out there, see what they have. So, no, no one's worth rostering at this point from Miami. Um, and, and look for those pitchers to, to no longer be must-starts. 
Oh, absolutely. Trevor Rogers went on a phantom IL stint with quote-unquote back spasms, came back, looked a little rusty after missing a start, and now he's back on um, the, now he's skipping his next rotation spot due to family um, concerns, I believe. So I don't know if that's true or not, so I don't want to speculate. Um, but it is going to be interesting to see what kind of excuses they come up with in the near future. But I actually benched him in my uh, weekly league and um, probably not looking forward to using him the rest of the year. But let's move on. Joey Gallo got moved to the Yankees, as you mentioned earlier. We both were wrong. I thought he was going to the Cardinals on a whim. No rhyme or reason. You thought to the Padres. Neither of that um, happened. Um, and I think we kind of touched on uh, the Yankees um, and what happens with that analysis. So I don't think there's too much more to add here unless you want to say something else, Matt. No, and I think this will be a bigger uh, transaction next year. This Yankees lineup is going to have a lot of moving pieces. Uh, Gallo obviously has one more year of contract than uh, Rizzo does. But again, the Yankees are were only two and a half games out on Sunday when I looked at the wild card. This could catapult them to a deeper run in September towards that wild card. I don't think they have a chance at the AL East anymore with the teams above them being Boston and Tampa. Um, but that's good for your players if you have Yankees because that means that they're not going to shut them down as quickly as I thought they were going to be shutting people down, skipping starts. Cole and um, you know some of the some of the Yankees' big-time names in Stanton and Judge, I thought, might have a chance to rest a little bit in September if they were out of it. But this this definitely gives them playing time. Yeah, and another move that uh, I didn't put in the notes, they did acquire Andrew Heaney from the Angels. I think that's more of a Band-Aid fix for uh, when their players are injured or kind of like what just happened with Garrett Cole getting COVID. So let's move on, um, and the Phillies made some moves. They got Kyle Gibson, and I'm going to skip ahead to the notes. They also got Ian Kennedy. Um, we both were wrong. We thought Kyle Gibson was going to go to the Dodgers for me, and you said the Astros. Ian Kennedy, I thought, was going to go to the Reds, and you thought, no surprise here, was going to go to the A's. I think the real thing takeaway here is Spencer Howard gets moved to the Rangers, and I believe he's supposed to pitch tonight. We are recording at 7 o'clock Central Time, 8 o'clock Eastern Time. I don't believe that game has started, but I believe he's supposed to pitch and be piggybacking with uh, another reliever or starter. So I'm curious to see what happens there and if a change of scenery is what he needs to pick it up. Yeah, again, kind of like the Lazardo trade here. Um, I think both of them land in really good spots. You know, expectations off. That prospect pedigree that they both had is going to wear a little bit less in the minds of management uh, and less in the minds of fans. They really just get to go out there and figure it out. And I always like when players are traded from the pitching side because usually the other side, the team that's acquiring them, saw something in their delivery, their mechanics, or something that they've changed um, currently that they weren't doing before when they were seeing success. They come into this new team. They have a, a strategy built out for them. And you start to see these changes implemented. So Spencer Howard, I think, is the biggest winner here. I do not think the Phillies have the momentum, the team chemistry, or the ability to make the playoffs this season. But they're going for it. And again, from a roster perspective, I think that's good. I think that keeps all of the Phillies players in play come September for playoffs for fantasy. For Kyle Gibson, I expect to see a little bit of an uptick in his um, runs allowed. I expect to see him hit a little bit harder in Philadelphia, a little bit smaller ballpark, and also a little bit more of a challenging division. And then from Ian Kennedy, he is going to be a setup man. 
uh, did give up a run in his first uh, appearance for the Phillies. So, you know, if you had him as a closer, you're already losing value there. Yeah, so let's move along. And uh, we got two Pirates that we were going to talk about, Brian Reynolds and Adam Frazier. Brian Reynolds did not get moved at the deadline, but Adam Frazier did. He went to the Pirate or the Padres, I should say. And uh, I was wrong. I thought he was going to be a Met. And you thought, surprise, surprise, he was going to be an Oakland Athletic. Um, I guess my question is, do you think Frazier's actually going to play every day, or do you think he's going to be a super utility role? What do you see for his playing time here? Well, it's going to be hard. I mean, Tatis might be out for the year now, right? They put him on the IL with that uh, shoulder inflammation. They're waiting to see if he can come back from this or if he's going to have surgery. I think if you if they lose Fernando Tatis for the year, or even three, four weeks before he can come back and provide a playoff push, Adam Frazier has playing time. I think Cronenworth probably slides over and can play a little bit of shortstop. Um, they have that player that they picked up from Korea as well that's going to kind of slide into the mix. But Adam Frazier is an all-star, and I think he fits perfectly on that roster. Before the Tatis injury, I would have said no, but injuries open doors. Yeah, I don't think Tatis is going to be gone long-term, even if he does need surgery. They'll pop that shoulder back in. This is one of their chances to win a championship. I don't see them taking their foot off the gas pedal anytime soon. Let's move along, though. we got a few more to wrap up here, and that is Richard Rodriguez. Got traded to the Braves. We both were wrong. Thought he was going to be a Red Sox. I believe he's going to be the setup man behind Will Smith, which I think is a mistake. Will Smith's got an ERA of way over three, and uh, Richard Rodriguez um, has been damn near an all-star. But what do you think, Matt? Yeah, I don't like this trade for Rodriguez. I wanted him to go to a bigger contender that needed him, a.k.a. Boston. Boston would have been a perfect fit for Rodriguez. Obviously, they have Barnes already, but I think Rodriguez is the better pitcher. He has two or three years of arbitration available, so a team that was acquiring him was getting a controllable player. The Braves made a lot of moves. I think they're just trying to figure out as they go how they want things set up. I do expect him by the end of the year, if the Braves, Braves can build a little bit of traction in the standings, to have Rodriguez as their closer. Yeah, and kind of going off the notes a little bit, touching on the Red Sox and what we thought they were going to do, they didn't make any real trades. They acquired Kyle Schwarber, but he's injured and might provide some value once he gets back. But other than that, they didn't really acquire big-name players. And I, I think that's a mistake, but who knows. Um, but let's move along. Eduardo Rodriguez traded to the Brewers. I thought he was going to be a White Sox. You got this one correct. You thought he was going to be a Brewer, so kudos to you. Um, I applaud you. You were correct, and it looks like it was the right move for the Brewers because he is flourishing there. Yeah, I mean, he's sparking this offense, right? Offense without Christian Yelich right now on the COVID list. Offense, honestly, without Christian Yelich all season from what we know of Yelich. The Brewers need a piece that can come in and provide power on a regular basis, and I think that's Escobar. Escobar had 35 home runs in 2019. That's, that power production was something that we really didn't expect to continue, but he's showing this season that he is he has the pop that the Milwaukee Brewers need. And I think more importantly, what it allows them to do is act very similar to the Rays, where they have constant roster manipulation. Kind of a side note here, uh, the Brewers did trade also for John Axford after the trade deadline. John Axford was not on the 40-man roster for the Blue Jays. He was expected to join the Brewers today. He actually has hurt his elbow and was also going back onto the IL. Um, that was going to be a big piece for the Milwaukee bullpen in categories leagues. You could have picked up Axford and had him slide in, um, but you will not now. It looks like Axford might be done. 
Yeah, that's a bummer, especially for us being Brewers fans. But let's move along to some Twins. And uh, the two big ones, Josh Donaldson doesn't actually get traded. No surprise here. He's out with uh, a calf issue again. So I thought he was going to go to the Blue Jays. You thought he was going to go to the Astros. But I think the main one to talk about here is Jose Barrios to the Blue Jays for Austin Martin and um, a pitcher, Simeon Woods Richardson. Um I kind of am shocked that um, this trade happened. I didn't think Austin Martin would get moved for a player like Jose Barrios. I think he's worth more, in my opinion. Jose Barrios um, is kind of just a slight above average pitcher, in my opinion. But uh, to each his own. Um, What do you think, Matt? This was an F trade for me. Um, This was an absolutely despicable, fireable offense. Um, Simon Woods Richardson is going to be Jose Barrios, if not a better version of Jose Barrios in years to come. And Austin Martin being a top five overall pick in the MLB draft hasn't been given time to develop yet. It's his first full season of major league baseball, minor league baseball, that is. And you give up two pieces for a pitcher, as you had said, who's fringe top 30, top 45. All Jose Barrios is really good at is being more reliable than anything. He's not that dominant. I think the Blue Jays made an absolute massive mistake. I think they went all in a season too early, and I think it's despicable. Um, but on the swing side of that, Austin Martin now goes to the Twins, who already have Royce Lewis, so there's going to be some roster issues there. I do expect Lewis to probably play center field. Austin Martin then would obviously be able to slide into that shortstop position. Um, we'll have to see. Martin's probably two years away from the majors. Simon Woods, Richardson, probably going to come up next year, mid-next year, Jordan um, Balzanovic, um, the player that me and Richie have highlighted earlier as a player of the week. The Twins have a couple of young, nice arms now coming up. Um, and Berrios had a good start for the Blue Jays in his first appearance. But again, I think this was an F trade for the uh, Blue Jays, and I think it was probably an A trade for the Twins. Yeah, I would completely agree. Um, let's move on to the last headline for us, and that is Max Scherzer and Trey Turner go to the Dodgers for Kybert Ruiz and Josiah Gray. I think the big headlines here is Gavin Lux um, pretty much lost playing time anywhere. Um, but what do you think, Matt? Do you think Kybert Ruiz comes up? Does he do anything? Does he falter like all the other prospects have? Josiah Gray looks like he's going to be in the rotation, but is he going to falter like the rest of them? Well, Josiah had a really nice game yesterday. He did give up a home run. His movement was pretty great. I had watched a little bit of that start. Kyrie Ruiz, I think, was going to be a starting major league catcher with some power, you know, anywhere from 15 to 20 home runs a year if he's a full-time catcher. Um, He could develop into an all-star catcher, but he's young. He's had a great minor league pedigree in the Dodgers system. He has been, you know, kind of waiting for his turn because of Will Smith being up there as the full-time catcher. I like this trade a lot for the Nationals. They got some value back from two guys that were going to be leaving on expiring contracts this season. I think the bigger news from this trade, though, is another F grade I'm giving out, and that's to the Padres. The Padres could have gotten this deal done. They had the pieces in play. They didn't pull the trigger. Now with Tatis' injury, and as we had talked about earlier, he's got this 10-day IL stint, and they're going to decide if he's going to come back or if he's done. And the perfect replacement for that would have been Trey Turner a guy that actually started his career with San Diego in the minor leagues. But what do they also need? They needed a starting pitcher with the ability of Blake Snell and you Darvish windling. So this was an F grade for the Padres. This was an A-plus for the Dodgers. They took away uh, the basically their biggest threat at the World Series, which was the Padres' ability to contend against them. This was fantastic for all teams around other than the Padres. 
Before we move on to our next segments, I do want to ask you, if you're the Nationals and you're offered, obviously, Kyber Ruiz and Josiah Gray, and let's say I'm the Padres and I'm coming to you with Luis Campusano and, say, uh, Ryan Weathers, who's uh, also a rookie first-round draft pick from a few years ago, would you rather have Josiah Gray and Kyber Ruiz or Luis Campusano and um, Ryan Weathers? Yeah, I would have taken the Dodgers' offer, but the Padres should have offered C.J. Abrams, without question. That should have been the piece that started this negotiation, and the fact that they were unwilling to do that is you know, a little distasteful in my mouth. Now it might have been because of the fractured leg. C.J. Abrams is out about seven months with that fractured leg, so maybe that, that was a player that they offered, and you know, Washington was just a little hesitant with such a severe injury. But there's no reason that the Padres shouldn't have offered more than the Dodgers. This is the only season I see the Padres really having kind of that trump card over the Dodgers, uh, especially with this package. Next year, obviously, they're going to have some pieces come back. But this was their year. This was their window, right? This year, next year. And I think this, this team this year is better probably than it will be next year with some of the guys they lose. But just a bad offer from the Padres. I would have all day taken the, the Dodgers package. And I thought for sure that they would be making some significant moves. I thought they were going to get um, some better closers than they actually acquired. I think they got Daniel Hudson, and I want to say they got Andrew Chafin, which is actually pretty good, but I don't want to double-check that Chafin before we is, move on. Uh, now. Chafin went to the, the A's. A's. Yeah. Yep, yep. All right, let's move along to some prospect updates. Um, since there was the All-Star break, uh, not too much, but um, the first one I want to highlight with Andrew Heaney going to the Yankees. That opened up a rotation spot for the Angels, and Reed Detmers was called up. He struggled in his first appearance going four and one-third with six hits, six earned runs, two walks, and two strikeouts. I wanted to watch this game, but I got tied up with some other stuff. I did have a chance to go through the play-by-play. He looked pretty good um, in the first two innings before he gave up some home runs, and then he left the game with two batters on, which um, the person who relieved him let in. So um, the line looks worse than it is, but once again, um, not what you're expecting from these prospects. I actually was able to pick him up in our Dynasty League. I'm going to be holding on to him um, at least until the end of the year, kind of see what happens. I won't make the same mistake I did with Logan Gilbert again, um, where I dropped him just because he had a a few bad starts to begin his career. Um, But Matt, what do you think about Reed Detmers and his call-up? Well, you threw a great name out there earlier. Um, I think Robbie Ray is also a really good comp for Reed Detmers. Uh, some of the balls he threw were very similar to Lazardo placement-wise. You just looked at him and you were like, why Why are you locating that ball to major leaguers there? Um, but these guys are young men. And, and back to earlier episodes where we talked about kind of pumping the gas a little bit on these guys and giving them a chance to really showcase who they are. Reed Detmers has the rest of the season to show that there is some flashes of future um, rotational piece there. Reed Detmers, high strikeout guy, didn't have that in his first performance with only two strikeouts, but it's early. I think we need to sit back, see where he's at after five to eight performances, and then really gauge his rookie season based off that. I agree. Let's move along to another angel, and that is Joe Adele. He's getting called up. I believe today is his major league debut for 2021, at least. He was called up last year, obviously. Um, But he still has a high strikeout rate. It's not nearly in the 40s like it was early in the season. I think he's dropped it down to around 30. But still, that's way too high, even for the minors. 
I don't think there's much to see here. He's going to give you a few home runs, but everything else is going to be strikeouts. I don't have much hope, especially with what we're seeing from all the other prospects. Um, but I could be wrong. Matt, are you seeing anything here? No. I mean, Adele, again, has to prove that he can play in the major leagues, right? Like, this is something where we can sit back and wait as long as we want, but there has to be a performance and we have to shake this this concept that he is not going to be a high-end player. The strikeout rate can be high if you're hitting the ball out of the ballpark 40 times a year and you're hitting, still hitting 250, but we need to see that firsthand. I agree. Let's uh, <clears throat> blaze through some of these other ones. Nick Lodolo, starting pitcher for the Reds, he got promoted to AAA. Heliot Ramos had a four-hit night for AAA for San Francisco, he had two RBIs and a double. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see him this year, especially with the Chris Bryant trade. Sheldon Noisy had two home runs um, for Triple A, and then he's for the Dodgers. He had a, a few stints in the MLB during their injury-written um, times back in June. Edley Rutschman hit his 17th home run, just killing it. The first overall pick of this year's draft, Henry Davis, for the Pittsburgh Pirates, hit his first home run in the Florida Complex League. It, Pretty much equivalent to rookie ball. And then a uh, name we haven't talked about in a long time is Greg Bird hit two home runs and had three hits with six RBIs in a game for AAA for the Rockies. So um, kind of threw a lot at you, Matt. Um, I guess uh, any takeaways you got here? And my question for you is, Greg Bird, do you think he's even worth mentioning anymore? No, Greg Bird is not worth mentioning anymore. Greg Bird will fall into that category of, you know, maybe he gets a September call up. Maybe your first baseman goes out. Maybe Greg Bird gets hot, and maybe you're absolutely desperate in a 15-man league. Um, but I, it's nice to see that Greg Bird's still playing baseball, right? I mean, we looked at him three, four, or five years ago as a guy that could be a perennial all-star, and just wasn't able to stick around. You know, Luke, very similar to Luke Voigt, but Luke Voigt at least had that one season where he performed really well. Um, it's nice to see the two catchers on this list, Rutschman and Davis. Both going to be premier talents in this league in in no time. Really, Davis obviously coming out of college. I think he's going to be up even possibly end of next year. Um, we'll see how quickly Pittsburgh wants to rush his development. I really do think 2023 is probably his season, though. Sheldon Noisy, um, Sheldon Noose, however we want to pronounce it here. Obviously been a good player in the minor leagues for a few years now. Hasn't really gotten his major league shot. Ramos, one of the best hitters in that Giants organization, probably the future face of that Giants offense. But, you know, overall, the minor league season is kind of quiet right now. As you and I had talked before we jumped on the recording, they did have the all-star breaks a little while ago. Um, we kind of know who these guys are at this point, and pitchers are going to start getting shut down with innings caps. So look for that news to kind of uh, slowly trickle down as the season seasons end. Awesome. I completely agree with everything you said. Let's move on to our final segment, and that is breaking down the MLB Top 100 Prospects. This week, we'll be going over numbers 21 through 30, with 21 being starting pitcher Daniel Lynch, uh, Kansas City Royal starting pitcher. Been up and down in the minors between uh, AAA and the majors this year. Um, so far in the majors, he's got a 6.95 ERA. Yikes! But like we said before, these prospects haven't been living up to the hype. Um, does have a good pre prospect pedigree. Um, Matt, give us a little more breakdown on him. Yeah, Lynch was a supplemental pick as well uh, a few years ago in the draft. You know, one of these young guys that hasn't been able to figure it out yet, but I definitely think has the talent moving forward to be a top 40 pitcher. 
I think him, I think Lacey, who we're going to talk about next, uh, both guys that we're going to have to sit and wait. Left-handers usually do take a little bit, bit longer in the major leagues to develop as well. That 6.95 ERA is pretty bad. But again, looking back at Scoop Ball for the Tigers last year, very similar th- like stat line. We need to see Lynch and how he develops going into next year. Absolutely. Let's move along to Aza Lacey, as you mentioned. And he is number 21 here, also starting pitcher for the Kansas City Royals. He was taken last year first um, for the Kansas City Royals, fourth overall. Um, he is currently at high A, I believe, um, but he does have a 519 ERA over 14 games. He does have 79 strikeouts in 52 innings, which we like to see, but 41 walks, which um, shows his command is lacking currently. Matt, what are you seeing out of Lacey right now? Yeah, he's given up 41 walks and 41 hits in 52 innings. His whip is a 158. Clearly, he's trying to develop himself into a major league pitcher. Right? He was a great college arm coming into this uh, Royals organization. He's going to need some time to really figure out that mechanical approach. He's going to have to take some time to really figure out his command. 5.19, you know, I expect him to have a very similar trajectory to Lynch. Asa Lacey is going to be the better pitcher here. I want to make that known. Lacey has the ability to come into this league over the next five years and be a top 20. Um, He is the closest comp that I've seen to Cliff Lee in a long time. But also Cliff Lee did take a little bit of time in his own right. I think 27-28 was the year that Cliff Lee finally figured it out with the Indians before he left Cleveland. So Lacey, again, sit on him, wait on him, don't trade him. I think Daniel Lynch is definitely the guy if there is a value to be traded in a dynasty league in the offseason to move him. But Lacey's the guy you want to hold on to. Absolutely, and I think he doesn't have any one pitch that is just – uh, overwhelming. I just think all of his pitches are all above average, which bodes well for him. If one's not working, he can rely on all the others and be consistent and reliable. But I don't think we're seeing him till at least 2023 at the earliest. But I could be wrong. The Royals have been very aggressive with their pitchers. Maybe we see him next year. But let's move along to a different starting pitcher, and that is Emerson Hancock of the Seattle Mariners. He is probably by far their best prospect that they have other than um, Julio Rodriguez. Um, he was taken last year's draft, sixth overall. Um, what do you see here, Matt? Yeah, Emerson Hancock's a pre- premier arm. Um, younger, he's pitching out of high A right now, so you know, years away from the realistic perspective of making any fantasy impact. Probably three years away from making a fantasy impact, maybe two years away from making the league. Um, Hancock has got a fantastic arsenal coming out of Georgia. I think this is an arm that we need to keep an eye on to make sure he doesn't get hurt. He only has eight games this season under his belt, 27 total innings, so clearly the Mariners are also being careful with him. I haven't watched if he's had an injury this year. Those numbers would tell me possibly there was an injury. Um, but I really like Hancock, and I think you're going to see him top 15 of 100 prospects sooner than later. Absolutely. And with a pitcher that hits 99 um, pretty consistently, I would say I always get worried about those pitchers and uh, the prospects of Tommy John. But let's move along to your heart and soul, your pride and joy, and that is outfielder for the New York Yankees, and that is Jason Dominguez, probably the second coming of Jesus. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But um, we, we joke and we talk about 
who the next Juan Soto is, who the next Ronald Acuna is, and he's sitting number 23, and that is Jason Dominguez. He is a god amongst men. Um, just watching him play, um, he has been in rookie ball and in A, but he doesn't even look like he belongs. He looks like he should at least be in AAA or in the majors, but I don't blame the Yankees for slow playing him here, um, but he is just, I don't know what else to say about him. Go ahead, Matt. He has a lot of development left, too, with all of that said, right? When he, you watch him on the field, um, the eye test alone tells you that this kid's going to be an absolute freak on the baseball field. He looks like a running back in a training camp out there when he runs the base pass. I mean, the speed is absolutely off the charts. Um, he has a lot of things he needs to fine-tune, though, from his, his base running abilities to sliding. And he has to learn how to make better contact. This season, he has 22 games between split playing time in different levels. He has one home run only, but 25 Ks to 13 walks. Looks like his eye is still also developing. He's batting 241 between both of those levels. Um, he, 19 hits and 22 games. So, you know, he has the ability to make contact. At the end of the day, though, he is 19 years old now, 18, 19 years old. Like, you got to be patient with him. What I'm expecting to see with Dominguez from what I've seen this season is either next season or the 2023 season in the minor leagues, an absolute explosion. Once he figures it out, it's over. It's going to be very similar to Juan Soto. Once it clicks for a month or two for him, you might as well bring him up to the major leagues because he's just not going to stop. Very similar to Soto and Acuna. But first, you have to get him locked in, and you have to give him this real approach of what minor league baseball and what a major league organization is. All the physical tools are there. All the hype is there. And I do think Jason Dominguez, from what I've seen this year, is the real deal. Had he come out of the gates and struggled mightily, you know, bad to 150, 190, you know, strikeouts were absolutely through the roof. I think we would have had some concern of is, are these physical gifts going to translate to production? But I don't have those concerns. For me, it's just a matter of when, not if. I like I like everything you said there. Let's move along to the next one. That's number 24, outfielder for the Atlanta Braves, and that is Drew Waters. Um, somebody I've liked more as a, a player rather than for fantasy. Doesn't provide much of power. Um, pretty okay for in the average department. Um, usually sits around a 280, 290 hitter. So far this year in AAA, he is batting 256 with eight home runs, which um, he's on pace to break his record in 2018 when he hit nine home runs. Obviously, I don't think we see him reaching the majors this year with uh, all the acquisitions the Braves made at the deadline, but this is somebody we might be able to see in 2022, but with all the other outfield options, I don't see much here. Do you, Matt? No, and I could see them also moving him in the in the uh, offseason for possibly a bigger pitcher or another position player. Waters had kind of had a above average average last season above his um, playing production from what we've seen in the past and I think that was definitely something we were excited about but he's back to batting 256 I think from an organizational perspective that's something that they're concerned about and also with all the moves that they made that to them that means that they know that Waters can't provide the value that they need to make a playoff run so we'll have to see if they're souring on him in general I do think he's a starting major league player I think he's very similar probably to a guy like Corey Dickerson yeah, I want to give him as much of a Corey Dickerson, um, but something similar. Um, I will say this, though, for categories, he does provide some speed, um, at least um, 16 stolen bases in the last three years, and he has 17 this year, so he can provide that if you are in a categories league. But let's move along to number 25, 
and that is third baseman Nolan Jones um, for the Cleveland Guardians. Um, they will be changing their name next year. Um, I'm actually pretty pumped about it. There was rumors that they were going to go to the Cleveland Spiders, which I didn't really care for. Um, but back on track, let's go to Nolan Jones. He's batting 219 with nine home runs for AAA. There was rumors he might come up this year. I still don't think he's ready. I don't think he's going to provide um, as much average. He's got a lot of strikeouts, um, and I'm really concerned about that once he reaches the majors. Yeah, 94 strikeouts in 75 games. <laughs> Just not what you want to see from a guy that's in AAA. At that point, you want to see at least a little bit more um, of, a, of a control at the plate. And the power isn't prodigious, right? Nine home runs. This isn't Nolan Gorman out here hitting 25 home runs, hitting 20 home runs. I do think Nolan Jones will figure it out. I do think he will at some point be starting for the Guardians, which I actually prefer the Spiders. The Guardians, to me, is not a name that I ever envision. Uh, Fox broadcast holding up a trophy and saying, you know, the Cleveland Guardians have won the Major League World Series. That doesn't seem like it's ever going to happen. So, Well, guess what? They'll never say Cleveland Spiders because Cleveland won't win a title, so you don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, this is this is true, unfortunately, for you Cleveland fans. But, yeah, Nolan, Nolan Jones is a guy to watch. He's a guy that's also been a top 100 prospect for a while now. Hasn't really done much up or down on this list. Um, good defender, terrible right now at the plate, and we're just going to need to see some improvement. Yeah, I completely agree. Let's move along to number 26, and that is Matthew Libertor. And he was traded from the Rays to the Cardinals. He is currently at AAA right now. He does have a 5.21 ERA, um, but he does have 66 strikeouts in 67 and a third innings, which we like to see. Um, only 16 walks, which is also nice. Um, still think he has a little bit more to figure out before he comes up and can make an impact for the St. Louis Cardinals team, but um, he's got a lot of promise. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I think this is the next. Um, this is the next good St. Louis pitcher in all reality. You know, it might take him a few years, but he's going to come into this rotation. He's probably going to hammer down that third role in the rotation behind Flaherty. Uh, we still have to see, obviously, who would fill that two role, but I don't think Libertor in his early years will be a number two pitcher. I think he'll be a good, solid number three, and I think as he develops, he'll only get better. He could fall into that second rotational piece by the you know middle to end of his career. Um, but yeah, probably three years away from being really fantasy relevant and a good arm overall. I think the Rays made a mistake trading for him, but they did get uh, Randy Rose Reyna in that return, which clearly helped them last year. Yeah, I kind of feel i kind of view matthew libertor like uh like i viewed julio urias when he was coming up but uh kind of like julio urias like you know he's got that that good fastball in that high 90s that you kind of like to see with that hammer curve ball that just comes down that 12 to 6 action he's got that slider and change up to to come with it and he's a lefty um just kind of my overall views on it um but not saying he's going to be Julio Urias or be better or worse, um, just kind of my general views. But let's move along to another St. Louis Cardinal, and that is third baseman Nolan Gorman. As you mentioned, he has been killing it. Um, he's currently at Triple A. He started the year out at Double A across both um, divisions. He's batting 267 and has 15 home runs on the year. Um, this is somebody I thought we might have seen this year if they didn't trade for Nolan Arenado, but now I don't think we see him um, at least until next year. Maybe they move him to second base or outfield. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. 
But Matt, what do you see out of Nolan Gorman? Yeah, I mean, Golan, Gor- Nolan Gorman is showing exactly what we thought he, we would of him. You know, higher power production. His strikeouts are exactly where we thought they would. He is a lighter version of Joey Gallo. Um, I think that's probably the cl- closest comp you're ever going to get for Gorman. He's just not going to provide the same immediate impact that Gallo did. And I think from his career perspective as well, I don't ever expect him to hit 40 car- uh, career home runs in a season. Gorman's going to be a guy that hits anywhere from 25 to 32 in the majors. You know, hits a 220 to 240, strikes out a lot. And Major League Baseball has a place for these guys right now. But definitely going to see a little bit more um, production from him in the walk category. If you're going to strike out that much, you also need to walk. That's something that Joey Gallo has done well and has actually made Gallo a valuable player. Yeah, I completely agree. I don't like the Joey Gallo comp because I don't think he has as much power as Gallo, but I'm trying to think of somebody else, um, maybe like an Adam Duvall type, but we'll see. Let's move along, though, and that is number 28, second baseman Nick Gonzalez for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He was the seventh overall pick in last year's draft um, in the first round. Um, we've talked about him in the past at high A right now. He's got a 270 batting average with six home runs. Um, we've talked about how we kind of feel like he's a, like a, a lesser version of Jose Altuve, if you will, um, with less home runs. At least that's kind of how I view him. Um, he does have 60 strikeouts and 174 at-bats, which is not what you like to see. But I know this is somebody you like, Matt. Um, anything else you want to add? Yeah, Gonzalez, we've talked, I think, that at length was one of my favorite players in the minor leagues. I really am going to watch his development. I think the Jose Altuve ceiling is a perfect match there. Um, needs to cut down on his strikeouts. I think also the Keston Hira comp, you know, maybe his rookie season before he really ran into this uh, launch angle issue that he can't seem to shake is also another good comp, maybe a floor for Gonzalez. Gonzalez being at high A needs some time to develop in the minor leagues. His power is going to develop as well. I do see him as a guy that can hit 25 home runs in the major leagues much like Altuve can do in his MVP seasons this season, right, when he's at the high-end production. Uh, but Gonzalez is going to be great. I think Pittsburgh has a player that's going to slide into that Frazier role maybe two years from now and provide great value. Yep, moving along, let's go to number 29, and that is the Boston Red Sox first or third baseman, depending on um, which site you're using or looking at it, and that is Tristan Casas, um, somebody we've talked about in the past. He is currently a double A, batting 271 with only six home runs. This is somebody we've known to have power, not really showing it this much this year. Um, he was a 2018 first round draft pick 26 overall for Boston. I do think we see him maybe this year, if not next year. Um, but I definitely would like to see more power out of him. I thought for sure he'd be kind of where Adley Rutschman is near that 15 to 20 home run mark. Um, so if I'm being honest, I'm a little disappointed with, uh, the production from him this year. Yeah, and Casas is definitely going to be a player that steps into a, a power production role. But as you had said, a little bit of a letdown this season. He also is back and forth with Team USA. I think he's actually still playing with Team USA right now. Um, so those 46 games are a little bit lower than they should be because he obviously left the major league, uh, excuse me, minor league team. But Casas is a great talent, just needs time to develop. I think also in Boston with that short uh, porch in right field, he's going to really utilize that to his advantage. But it's just kind of a wait-and-see approach as to when Boston wants to put him in their major league roster. 
The last thing I will say about him is, even though I am disappointed, I am pleased to see that he's improving on his strikeout-to-walk ratio. He's got 40 strikeouts to 22 walks in 170 at-bats, so that is good to see he's um, cutting down on that. Let's move along to the last one of the day, and that is catcher, somebody we mentioned earlier on the podcast, and that is Luis Campusano, and that is catcher for the San Diego Padres. He was a 2017 second-round draft pick, 39th overall. Um, yeah, high-end prospect. I know he's known for uh, a good some pitch framing. He's at AAA, batting 278 with nine home runs. Um, I believe he had a little stint here in the majors already this year. But, Matt, what do you see out of him? Um, you know, I, I really feel like we have another um... – Magia here and it sucks to say that because they were obviously both in the same organization a little while ago but uh Campistrano is he just hasn't shown me eye-popping numbers from the plate he hasn't shown me the fantasy value that I want out of a big-time catcher like a Rutschman I think he's just more of an overall you know defensive plus player you know he can hit the ball he can hit 250 but this isn't a guy that I'm stashing and rostering in dynasty leagues no, I completely agree with all the other catchers out there and how that's just a, a replacement level position unless you have an Adley Rutschman or maybe even a Joey Bart. But outside of that, there's not really anyone I think is worth rostering um, unless you're in a two catcher league dynasty, then maybe we're talking something differently here. But other than that, I think he's more of an overall baseball um, defensive type catcher rather than an offensive gem for you. All right, that concludes our podcast. Um, I think we had a great show, Matt. Um, remember to like and subscribe to us on anywhere where you find podcasts on Apple um, or Spotify. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter. Other than that, we'll talk to you guys next time. Take care, guys.